you know, I think it even helped us to kind of think about, is this, is this something that we want to do as, as budding entrepreneurs? Um, which is kind of funny because I, you know, I've never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Ask me 10 years ago, ask me a year ago, I would not have said that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um, no. <laughs> um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. You want a stable I, job. I know. You know. to another episode of Two Black Nerds. My name is Romeo Quihangana, and on the other mic we have... Ihaya Kachuku. Um, welcome back, y'all. And for this episode, we have very, very special guests. Um, I'll, let them uh, I'll let them introduce themselves, and I will mention how we met. So... Um, other folks on the mic, go ahead. Hello. Um, hi guys. Uh, this is Deandra Cadet. And my name is Kane Joe Block. And we're both the founders of Stage for Change. Yeah. And so one of the things, so just a quick story on how, um, we kind of all know each other. I remember I met Tain and, uh, so I met Tain before I met Didi. Or maybe I had met Didi, but I was part of a of a monologue show called "Show Some Skin" about. Oh wow! And I, I remember your audition for this day. Huh? I still remember your audition. Really? Oh. <laughs> I auditioned and I was not feeling it. Like <laughs> I had like oh, stage fright. <laughs> yeah, I just I auditioned for the show. It was very it was very bold of me to do so. Also, like spur of the moment uh and i got to participate in one of the i i, I will say one of the most transformative transformative experience in my undergrad uh, undergraduate career so thank you for that to end and dd Dee Dee, i actually remember meeting her um <laughs> again on a random saturday oh yes on a random saturday and I think that day, yeah, I remember why. So I was in town just, I think, randomly, and I decided to participate into like some entrepreneur thing that uh, University of Notre Dame was holding at the time. And uh, I think that's where she pitched, like Didi pitched um, Stage for Change, if I remember that correct. Is that correct? Yeah, that is true. It was a. Uh... Like Saturday afternoon, I was very, <laughs> it was probably in the very beginning, still senior year. So, wow. so yeah, I was, I think that was my first time actually pitching it in front of people. <laughs> I remember that's, that's what you said. Uh, that's the, the comment that you made at the time. And I don't know, I thought it was a really good idea. And just to see it come to, to this point, I am really amazed at how much you guys have done so far. Yeah, it's been like two years now. That was two years ago. Uh, I, I think yeah. it was, isn't it three years ago? Oh shoot! It's three years ago. Yeah, actually, never mind. I was <laughs> no, I was too. We so long ago. Yeah. I mean, way, way to age us. Sorry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Romeo, I have so many white hair. You wouldn't believe it when you see me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
from like growing <laughs> old or just like Obama, like Obama white hair or just like growing old? <laughs> stress. <laughs> Probably a blend of both genetics and the stress. Grad school does that to you. <laughs> mm, it's true. I'm still young. True. <laughs> I look, the same. I look, look the same. at you bragging about your youth. How dare you? <laughs> um, so I guess without further ado, um, to Didi and to In, uh, for a short intro. So how do you answer the question? What do you do? <sighs> wow. Um, so I'm Dandrigo by I'm Didi, and um, I'm one of the founders of Stage for Change and. Um, also the director and what do I do? I do, I'm trying to be a leader and just trying to build our own nonprofit startup organization that's just incredibly dedicated to um, improving the lives of students on college campuses. So I do whatever it takes to get that done. <laughs> and she is the master operator of everything stage for change um and again i'm pain and i'm like the sort of visionary idea and program development side of stage for change so while Didi is on the grounds running um i am holding lots of workshops with fellow innovators and thinkers on racism, sexism, homophobia, and all these things that we need to work on in this world to think about what is the most effective way to help people overcome their prejudice and bias and think about their privilege and intersectionality. And on the side, my side job is being a um, MFA candidate in creative writing at Notre Dame. Oh, nice. I mean, you, you just dropped a whole bunch of words that uh, me personally, I know that I I have like a hint of understanding, but I know that Yihai mm -hmm. uh, took a gender studies, uh, well, a few gender studies class. And I think he had to school me on what uh, intersectionality meant at some point. In our Yo, those life. are my favorite classes in college or one of them just because learned so much and kind of got to check your privilege and all that when it comes down to it. Lots of things within gender studies to dissect and pick apart. So highly recommend to the college audience listeners, mm -hmm. take a gender studies class or two in sociology while you're in university. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So stage for change. So you just, you kind of mentioned um, what it is and what you focus on um, mm -hmm. in the short intro so how exactly so to someone who has never either been part of it like i did or seen it in action like ihani did how do you guys describe it to someone who's not familiar with it so um so i guess we'll start kind of with with our vision is that um kind of the background is that what we saw happening is you know there are a lot of as we see like what's happening right now just in our nation. <laughs> Let's just focus on currently what's happening in our nation right now that, uh, you know, you have college protests happening, just um, like lists of student demands, um, specifically related to diversity and, you know, racial justice on college campuses. Our vision is to um, create inclusive environments so that all students can flourish no matter their background or experiences. 
Um, what we really do is we try to focus and create programs that are going to um, create spaces where students feel seen, heard, um, and are really actually able to exceed and have success in their studies without, you know, harassment or experiences of um, injustice or racism or sexism. Um, we see that these these things are absolutely present in our nation, um, and they're also present within college campuses. Um, and so what we do as Stage for Change is that we've seen that stories are really powerful um, to kind of bridge those gaps and overcome those barriers of, of, of injustice because it helps students to kind of understand and the different experiences that are around them. Um, and so what we've done is we've created an organization that is dedicated to using storytelling and the arts as useful tools and strategies to build inclusive communities. Um, so whether it's through our workshops that we have, um, whether it's through our year-long programs that we have that help students use the stories within their community to um, to empower those narratives and to really create actual change on their campus, um, so that the really so that these experiences of marginalization or um, just harassment don't happen again on their college campuses. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> Do you want to add to yeah, that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, um... and so when we say um, that we are a nonprofit that works with storytelling and the arts to look mm -hmm. at privilege and all the isms, racism, sexism, homophobia, all these things um, concerning identity, I think we're trying to be really innovative in ways that we apply the things that we already know so that we can have the farthest and the largest impact in our community so that we can yeah. build the largest allyship. Before before I go on a slight tangent, uh, to Ian, I remember kind of being part of like the initial, um, I was really lucky to be part of like some of the few first people that you inducted into uh, your vision and I'm curious what made you come to that vision or why did you decide to do show some skin the precursor to stay for change yeah so um, just to help bridge bridge that narrative so the seeds for stage for change comes from um, what Romeo was just saying about our work at Notre Dame called show some skin and that happened in 2011. And I was, I mean, Romy and I, we were, we were both, what, sophomores? Um, yeah. And I was very much disillusioned with the narrative that my college campus was telling uh, students of color and um, other marginalized students. Uh, because I realized that there was a lot of work to be done to create a really um, inclusive campus. Yeah. And the first part of that questioning was how 
how were people actually thinking about race and how were people actually experiencing racism or if people were on the other side being accused of being racist for instance like what was the thought process what was actually going on and so the first year of this community theater project um came from a call from the student government president at that time who saw a who saw the um (laughs) very embarrassing column um, that I had written with three of my friends called, and we called ourselves um, Asiatic Gays, uh, G-A-Z-E, but we get confused as gays and that's totally fine with us because we also support that. Um, <laughs> and, and people asked us, like, how should we, how should we combat microaggressions? Yeah. And our faculty advisor that I found, Dr. Cecilia Lucero, and I came together thinking about how art can be a safe space, but all, art can also be a very, very raw space where all of us can be vulnerable and mm-hmm. complicated and not PC so that we can reach true learning rather than, oh, yes, you know, this academic sort of understanding Um I was a sociology major and a peace studies major, and yeah. I had witnessed, you know, how my peers would sit down and look at, you know, all the research that was done on um, homophobia and parenting or uh, race and poverty or mass incarceration and racism, but it wouldn't really stir them into action. You know, it was just a class that they were taking, and I was not okay with that. Okay. Um, I was I was very not okay. I was quite <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to uh, engage people, but I think that that was not enough. Um, the classroom was not the the place to do that for me. And yeah. so, with the question and with the passion to hear from all sides and all the all the shades and attitudes of people's experiences um, surrounding race came about uh, the Notre Dame's Chosen Skin that I co-founded with Ping Lu and Ji Sun Tre. Yeah. And I, w- I will say, oh, no, thank you first for your answer. And it was far more a better answer than I could have ever uh, imagined personally. And... Um, I will say that uh, it was it was truly a good experience for me since I was a an engineering major, right? Really, like the the opportunity uh, for engineers uh, to kind of engage into the social science and become what they call like a well-rounded person. Like that challenge is usually not very well met with the coursework that we're offered to take, or we just naturally avoid it because <laughs> if I have to take a class that makes me take, I don't know like makes me read like 20 to 30 pages of like researches (laughs) a week i'm personally gonna run away i I don't know how you did the dual major but that was part of the decision making that i factored in not reading (laughs) 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 you see that would make me feel bad (laughs) it's hard out here in these streets (laughs) yeah and so I would say like big part of being part of that experience kind of like 
give me a, a, a nice experience of um, a visceral experience, if I can say that, mm-hmm. of, uh, of what, of what essentially what that research meant or what it is to experience that. And I guess, so you go from it being an idea, uh, you being like a campus, uh, mainly campus show, but mm-hmm. then you have the thought that, hey, what if this was something bigger? Right. right. How was that? How how was that? How's going through that process? And Didi, if, um, if you could chime in, since I, I you're the one that I first saw pitch the idea, how did that interaction go? How did you and in kind of talk about it? How did you join the project? Just to start, yeah. like, how did you join that project? Yeah, I'm just gonna catch us up to that point that you want to ask us, um, because I mm-hmm. think you can fill us in there. Now, Show Some Skin was extremely successful from the very, very first uh, year. As you remember, Romeo was an excellent actor, and you should all go and <laughs> watch his monologue. Please, Ihani, put like that link on the bottom <laughs> of the uh, show notes. I got you. And so, given the success, I mean, even from the first year, um, the founders of Show Some Skin wanted to pair this with more impact. And impact was always part of the discussion all three years that I had um, been involved and that I had stuck around with. And then um, when I handed it off to the next cohort with Deandra and the team too, it was a continuing, a continuing passion project. Like how do we, how do we share this model that survived one of the most conservative campuses for student activism and how do we replicate this and how do we share the wisdom that we have and also problem solve with the rest of the nation, the rest of the college campuses out there who are facing very similar strains of problems. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and kind of making my own connection to show some skin and stage between that you know, I was in the audience that very same year that Romeo was on the stage. <laughs> and so I was a freshman that year um, coming from Newark, New Jersey and going into Notre Dame and seeing those performances for the very first time and and being completely blown away um, and finally having conversations about race on campus with my roommates who came from different backgrounds than me and sitting in our dorm room for the next two hours just trying to piece together the stories that we did not know existed on our campus. Um, yeah. I didn't know that there were students who were undocumented or had experiences on the U.S.-Mexico border. I didn't know any of these stories. And so, you know, the next year I was an, an actress, and then two years later I get Tane handing this huge thing off to me. Um, <laughs> as I served as executive producer my senior year. And, and you know, it was kind of like that same thing of, I talked to my friends on other college campuses and I talked about them to this project that we were doing. Um, yeah. And, you know, they were going through a lot of the same issues. Um, and we talked a lot about what could it look like. But also the fact that, you know, we had been collecting stories for the last five years. And by that point, the collection number had gone in the hundreds. Um, and, you know, we had Father Jenkins coming to our performance, 
our student affairs coming to our performance, asking us to send them the stories via email so that they could think about how they were going to address some of the issues that students brought up from their own personal experiences. Now, yeah. suddenly this thing became a trusted source and a trusted platform for not only the students, but also the administrators who were dealing, it's their job to think about, you know, how are we creating a space that's inclusive and that um, is going to allow all of our students to reach their best potential and succeed and, you know, deliver on what they want to do. Um, and so, you know, we started having phone calls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this is happening when I have graduated mm -hmm. and Deandra yeah. is in her senior year. Mm -hmm. I went to work, after graduation, I went to work in Korea and then I moved back to work in Bloomington, Indiana, which was four hours away. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I started making these long treks up to South Bend to try to entice, mm -hmm. <laughs> entice my fellow troopers to think about our future together. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, I mean, it was like phone call after phone call, you know, kind of pitching it to people around us, like, you know, asking people like Romeo, you know, what exactly was the impact of, yeah. of this, this, this program on campus? Like, we knew for ourselves how much it had impacted us. Um, I honestly don't think I would have be the same person I am today without Show Some Skin. Same. And I for sure am not the same person I am without Stage for Change. Um, mm -hmm. And so we knew the, the impact it had on ourselves. And we're trying to figure out, you know, the impact it had on our campus. And the response that we got was, yeah, this this really has made, created a space on campus for, for all students to kind of share their experiences, but also to be a force for change. And so, you know, we like talked to all of our administrators and then we were, um, I was taking a social entrepreneurship class, which I think was for my peace studies major. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're like, okay, mm -hmm. let's make a business plan. You know, let's just see what it looks like. Yeah, you know. And then it started to get kind of scary because <laughs> it was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> this like, and I, I think I asked like one of my professors, Melissa Paulson, who's now on our board. I was like, can I, can we do this as a part of the class? Like, is this a real, like, is this a real thing? Can, yeah. can this actually be an organization? And she's like, yeah. It's like, Please lie to me, so we, <laughs> so we don't have to do this, right. you know. Um, and it was just like people just kept validating, you know. It was tough because you know people are asking, also checking us and criticizing. But those are good things. Yeah. And it was a so wait. So you're telling me that essentially like, you went in the class <laughs> like, well, first let's write a business plan. But you're like, once you wrote it, it's like, well, it's possible you started kind of running away from it, but you couldn't step back because of the validation. Like. It was like, it wasn't necessarily like because it was just that it's like one of those things that you're in class. You know how you're in a class and you have this 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 project that you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the project is our passion project. So at the end of the semester, like we have this business plan, we're not gonna hand it and get a grade. You know? Yeah. This was, it just, we were actually working on it, and by the time you know January came around which was a rough time. Oh, it was a rough time. Um, because, you know, we had, you know, we had talked to so many people and it seemed like it could, it could work. Um, yeah. And it was kind of like a, it was a tough 
many more conversations decision about like could we actually do this <laughs> and do yeah. we think we want to spend the next year trying to figure out if it could actually work um so and this is like mm -hmm. you know from this idea of sh of show some skin and you know how do you take this model that has been so impactful for so many students on at notre dame and take all the the potential that it has so not just this one program, but many other programs. How do you create something, an organization that's going to be dedicated to creating inclusive communities? And how do we take what's worked with it, with this storytelling, with this focus on intersectionality, with this focus on writing and performance and, and accessibility so that many students can, can enter into these experiences how do we how do we create an organization and it's so that we can continue to do this work so that we and then you know it was just that idea and it just kept growing and growing and then eventually yeah. it's like you told too many people <laughs> sorry that's a lot but um so right quickly before we before we go on I guess like we should highlight what process um we're talking about scaling right yeah. so. The process, like at least I, I guess I've been on both ends of it. That is the performance and the submission part of it. Um, in that, uh, this like the, my first year, I was, I went and I um, went to an audition. I auditioned, and I was uh, given a monologue of sorts, and they say, "Hey, um, we think that you'd be a really good fit for relaying this specific story." And then they told me that the story was from uh, someone on campus. Uh, they didn't tell me which gender it was. Uh, they just told me, like, just uh, work through this story and figure out, uh, feel it out. That's, like, the best explanation that I can say. Like, just feel it out and see. And we're going to work to help you perform it in the most genuine way possible that also kind of allows you to emote as much as possible to convey the emotions that are felt by the person who submitted it and so that the audience can also understand um, how the author felt because most likely the person who wrote it is in the audience so mm -hmm. you kind of have to do your job to deliver to deliver it in a way that they are also they also feel um, that their piece was well represented on stage mm -hmm. um, and I guess prior to me being handed that monologue, there was, a, I guess, like a collection for stories, which is an anonymous Google form where people can just go and write in how are they feeling, right? And kind of answer like a general theme, thematic question uh, of that year and whatnot. And I believe that is the process that uh, Stage for Change is trying to see if they can replicate or modify uh, so far, I'm not. I'm not sure if I made justice to that. Is that right? Yeah. So you know, um, we have come a long way. I'm. I'm. I'm really grateful to you, Romeo, for having such a positive. Uh, just such a positive outlook on like what we do. Because for me, when I look back at our first year, it was like a disaster. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I was, I mean, I'm still learning so much as I go, but I, I think that it was, um, 
a very difficult year for me being, uh, I mean, being so new, like the learning curve for all of us was so steep in yeah. terms of thinking about stories and how this was all going to make sense at the end in terms of the campus community. So as we stand, our State for Change initiative um, is half made up of what you basically said. And so the half of it is the community theater aspect. So yes, mm -hmm. um, the campus core team of students and faculty advisors come together and they think about the, the stories that need to be heard on their campus. Um, and so they map out their campus, uh, map out as a strategic way of thinking through what are the communities that exist on this campus and what are the communities that exist, but I am not aware of who is not invited to the table. And yeah. how can we invite the most diverse um, group of people to the table? And especially people's stories who are not part of the mainstream narrative of the campus. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, the core team goes out to solicit the community, their community for the stories so that those stories can make change and, and bring up and bring up more um, awareness to certain issues that are pertinent to the campus community. And with those stories, like you were part of the production as an actor. So actors are casted and actors go through a rehearsal process that is allied training um, in that they learn about how they are positioned in society um, with their specific privileges and their specific background and how they need to be aware of that when they approach and listen and act out another person's story mm -hmm. that do not belong to them. And then the community community theater is held. And now that's half of it. And the second half has been more systematically uh, sort of evolved and been thought out by the nonprofit Stage for Change in that yeah. we didn't want to stop there because community theater is not a new idea. It's not an original idea. So many groups use it um, in so many ways. And a lot of social justice movements are out there that uses community theater. But what we want to do is directly look at social impact. So cultural change and policy change that is rooted in the stories that we uh, hear mm -hmm. from our community. So and then, we have, yeah. And so um, what we've done is that, so this the Stage for Change program is, is the one that's based off of Show Some Skin. So you have this outward looking product that the students are working on, which is this community theater aspect. But on the other end, um, like the work that we're doing at Indiana University of South Bend, which is actually our first mm -hmm. client, um, throughout the year, the students have also been going through diversity training as a whole, um, where yeah. they have, they are training themselves, so, or we are kind of working with them to accurate, to think about stories as a resource for their community. Um, so that they can actively channel these stories into social change. So together we think about, okay, looking at the, critically looking at the stories that we receive and say, yeah. okay, what exactly is happening? Um, is this an incidence of racism or interpersonal racism that's happening or potential policy that has to do with financial aid that 
is exclusionary to a portion of our population. Now, we've identified the issues at hand based on the stories that we've received. Now, who do we bring in to actually address and actually kind of change these stories from happening again? So we see this stage for change as more of a circular process that not only is it building awareness, but it's also that the stories are directly relinked to social change, that it's not only a platform and it's a soundboard that students can share their experiences, but that the team actually responds with it by being activists for the stories that they do collect. And how do we make a culture of collaboration between all the clubs, cultural, ethnic, racial clubs, as well as um, social justice works that are already happening in that community? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so the, the cultural component with everything that Didi said mm -hmm. is basically that initiative mm -hmm. that we're talking about. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, so this year the students are creating an action plan so they're working on how to accurately how to look at these stories through a an actionable lens. So you see a story and you have to automatically start thinking of solutions um, so that the story doesn't happen again. And that's really what we're we're trying to focus on is that we want to create a space of collecting the stories, but actively working to think about what solutions can we create um, so that um, we are advancing towards inclusion rather than um, not advancing. So, yeah. so essentially kind of like making the students aware and also uh, making them part of the solution, not necessarily yes. just standing Absolutely. by. Absolutely. Nice. How, like do we, how do we catalyze a campus for mm -hmm. social change? How do we help them take advantage of the mm -hmm. the ex existing partnerships mm -hmm. um, and yeah. to create new partnerships. Mm -hmm. And to create a channel of communication. Um, I mean, how yeah. do we connect these stories to administrators um, mm -hmm. so that they have it as a resource? Um, and counselors who are dealing with students of a variety of backgrounds. I, uh, the Show Some Skin Monologues have been used to help train counselors at the University Counseling mm -hmm. Center has been used to train um, incoming yeah. incoming students, incoming leaders into the student government, to the writing center. Mm -hmm. So how do we yeah. make this a resource as mm -hmm. well? That's but, really nice. And I mean, I, I will, I will uh, kind of like add to that. I, I'm glad that you guys pointed out like the looking for ways for synergies to use like a business term for sort on for, on activities that are already happening on campus because mm -hmm. most of the time it just seems that they seem so disconnected for some yeah. reason and i've never taken the time to understand why personally and mm -hmm. i'm glad that um mm -hmm. stage for change kind of also uh looks at that but just to so to backtrack just one slight bit right so we have gone from can, can you guys talk about like the intricacies of going from like business plan on campus mm -hmm. to uh, a 5013C? So the idea is like, let's say uh, some other student on another campus is listening to this episode and they want to know, well, how exactly they do it. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just now asking you, how did you do it? Well, you first need to find the Deandra to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because, you know, I think that 
I'm getting at what I'm getting at is you really need a trusted partner. Mm. I was um, not in. I was not on campus. I was a graduate working uh, many hours away and looking to looking to really make this flourish. And like for me, it didn't click for me that this could really happen, despite my passion for many many years. Until I found Deandra, who was willing to do a pep talk with me with my crazy idea that was just a a jumble at the time and even even this nonprofit idea you know right now when we narrate what happened it seems so smooth but mm-hmm. really the reality is <laughs> right it was it was crazy messy because i was i was not in an environment where um people were encouraging me to think about this as a realistic thing um but I was very passionate about being innovative and creating jobs for myself <laughs> and like extra work as we always do. And and to find a partner who can really compliment me um, because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've always had the idea, I've, but I've had the idea, I carried the idea with me for how many years? You know, three years of my college and then another extra year outside yeah. of college. For four years, I was in search for a partner to take this up with me. And it was basically like a marriage proposal when, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was it was actually quite literal. Like I, yeah. Really? <laughs> Wait, so, so now I really want to go. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I mean, it was kind of, I think it, I mean, I was, I was afraid of scaring off Deandra. Yeah, it was kind of scary. I mean, it was, it was almost like, cause in the beginning, I had all these other options, you know? Um, she had her Fulbright on the table, and here I am asking her to... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Did yeah. you have a Fulbright? Yes, Stevie had a Fulbright. Old news. <laughs> old news. No, um, but old honestly... It's a big deal on campus, yo, for real. The what? I said, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. But I, think, but I think with your question of, like, how do you make it... A reality I mm. honestly think and this is like my probably like uh, it has to be a Notre Dame plug of that just the people that we were surrounded by on campus it didn't seem that big of a jump it, it was a huge jump absolutely but I knew we would be supported because mm-hmm. there were people there who were passionate about social justice passionate about seeing change not only on campus, I mean, they were Notre Dame professors, but they were passionate about seeing change nationally. They were passionate yeah. about us. They wanted better experiences for us as students. Um, and they had been on campus and they had seen things try and fail, but they saw something and chose some skin that was doing something really well. And so I think we were absolutely surrounded by the right people um, who were constantly putting resources in front of us. So when it came to, all right, we have this idea of a nonprofit, but like, where exactly do we go? Um, the law clinic at Notre Dame that is free pro bono. Like we've been working with them for two years and yeah. they're amazing people. And they, and then also the IP clinic at Notre Dame. Um, there's the Notre Dame fish. They're the incubating program that we were allowed to, that we were a part of 
that even though we had our business plan by like December of 2014, it was like crazy messy. Like our budget was like really non-existent. Um, by that time, we weren't actually even getting any money in, <laughs> um, which yeah. is terrible. So um, I have to backtrack a little bit just because as a woman of color, I don't think mm-hmm. we give ourselves enough credit yeah. sometimes. Like when Didi says that like we have so many resources around, like, I saw Didi running to meetings constantly, you know, trying yeah. to get connections and networks and resources for us. And I was doing the same on the other side of the coin too. And so I think it was really seeking seeking opportunities yeah. out and, and making it work. And I think it just kind of took, you know, that first year when we decided to kind of stay and I, and we did become a nonprofit pretty fast which I I don't really know how that happened honestly um okay. you got we got approved like out of like record time um thank you law clinic uh but but you know we had you know Cecilia Lucero was on her board and she had been on nonprofit boards in the past and she was she was an incredibly great resource to us she knew show some skin like she built it with us and so um, just having her with us throughout the process was incredibly helpful. Um, and I think, you know, and then even even when we had that, the 501c3 was still like, we still had no idea what we did as an organization, honestly. I mean, we did, we did, but <laughs> yeah, we it wasn't did. really It wasn't refined. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we had to spend the next year kind of backtracking and being like, okay, like, if we're really going to do this, we have to start talking to people. Um, so we went started to conferences, went to conferences. We, we started talking to, to the different universities around us, talked to faculty and administrators there, really just trying to get anybody we could get our hands on to hop on a phone with us uh, and just start talking about what is diversity and inclusion look like on your campus? What problems do you have? And would you be interested in a program like what Stage for Change has to offer? Um, and the response was surprisingly really good. <laughs> um, yeah. and so, um, and you know, and then it's kind of that point where you're in a meeting and someone says, so how do I get it on my campus? And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes, we can get it on your campus. And you realize, all right, we, we've got this. Um, and, yeah, so and- I understand that, um, this this model has been expanded to the IUSB campus. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? How's this transition been, and what have you learned about expanding the model from one campus to another? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we have to think very very hard about first, like what is the kernel? You know, mm-hmm. what is the kernel of the work that we do? And we always knew it was for the flourishment of all people that it had to do with stories and that it had to engage art. So with those three um, prongs that we were standing on, then we went back and thought about what are the most necessary things that we want to hand over to the next generation. Mm. Um, And so our product development, um, right now we work with one, three other volunteers were called Diversity Catalysts, and they are incredibly 
beautiful and wonderful, smart, intelligent, everything people um, who are like just superhuman beings in terms of the activism that they do and the life that they carry out. And they um, sit down with us every week and we develop um, ideas and strategies for engaging discussions on on like racism, um, we just and also how to how to think about um, the intersectionality intersectionality being um, all the if you like think about like race and like sex and gender identity, your class, um, immigrant status, um, your religion, all these things in like circles, and you make it into a Venn diagram, and you have all the various places that is um, overlapping like that's how I would just very simplistically describe intersectionality um, for you that's a really good definition thank you <laughs> I know we realize that we we got to work on our definitions <laughs> as in like it's someone... actually giving them <laughs> yes you're actually giving them. <laughs> so the diversity catalyst and we sit down and we think about ways to um, engage engage this and also strategize on like how do we most effectively um, train our students to be thinking about um, like long-term impact to in thinking about sustainability of their programs thinking about how they're going to infiltrate classrooms um, infiltrate sounds like yeah. a very strong word. Yeah, that's quite strong. But Maybe but we're pretty <laughs> like guerrilla fighters when it comes. So to... I, I guess one way to say is like, how can you take what you've learned and pass it off to people who haven't gotten the chance? Yeah, because the reality is is that we're not students anymore, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so we couldn't just like go into a new campus and start mm-hmm. something because yeah. we're not students and we probably shouldn't go into campuses like that. <laughs> and we are doing it as a trainer to trainer model mm-hmm. um, in that they uh, their destiny is in their own hands, ideally. And, yeah. Um, and that they um, are given the tools to make it their own. Yeah. And so, and I think that's the beauty of the Stage for Change program that we're developing. And I think that's been, that a lot of our campuses want is they want a sustainable process to work towards inclusion, um, a sustainable mm-hmm. process of collecting stories and reflecting upon them, but something that's going to stay on their campus for years to come that's more than just this one-time workshop. It catalyzes all their students on their campus. It's for everyone on their campus. It's for faculty, staff, and students, mm-hmm. and the impact that the that the program will create will affect all the people in their community. And so that's the the beauty of the Stage for Change program is that we're going in and we're helping train these students so that they can have this program for years to come. And so, you know, when we thought about, you know, what's different now, it's that we had to think a lot about, like, what exactly is the impact that we're trying to create? Um, yeah. And, you know, it's not just that, oh, we want to have this idea and we want to try it out. We're thinking, okay, what if we had it our way, like, what does inclusion really look like? And what do we want the students at the end of the year and in maybe 10 years? Like, what do we want to see happen? Um, We want our students to have to feel more comfortable talking about race, class, gender amongst each other with people from different backgrounds. We want them to have difficult conversations. We want to create safe spaces 
that people can have those conversations that but that they can also be challenged with their own biases and their own privileges that they might Absolutely. carry with them um we also want to create a more inclusive campus where students feel welcome a campus where students feel that their voice can be heard um a campus where students are trained to and that's why we talk about this ally training that the students are going to stand up and they're going to act and they're going to work for one another. Um, they're not going to sit back and be silent. They're going to stand up um, against injustice and that they're going to actively work to create a better community for each other. Um, so we want to give those tools to them um, and we want to create a culture um, on that campus so that these things are able to happen. Um, so, so when we started to think about, you know, what does this program really look like? Um, at the end of the day, it's not about that performance. It's about, you know, how do we have discussions with students? Do they feel comfortable, even within the group that we create, voicing their own experiences? Yeah. Um, do, do, do people feel like they have a voice? So, and how do, how, how can you empathize with one another? Mm -hmm. This would be the only thing I would add. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some lessons um, that you have learned either through the process of being part of Stage for Change that have really stuck with you to this day? Or what, what is something that you definitely like experience or learn this year and say like, I, I will carry this with me um, for the next few years or however long? Um, I think one of the lessons is that, I don't know if it's a a lesson. I think it's a kind of a realization. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's like, this is the time. You know, if there's a time for something like this to happen, it's definitely now. Um, that, you know, I think it even helped us to kind of think about, is this, is this something that we want to do as, as budding entrepreneurs? Um, which is kind of funny because I you know I've never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Asked me ten years ago. Asked me a year ago, I would not have said. That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> um, but I wanted to be an entrepreneur. You want a stable I, job. I know. You know. Yeah. You know. But I think if anything, it's like where could we have the most impact in our community? Um, and if there's a a lesson from that, it's kind of taking the signs. A little bit um, but also just kind of stand up and act you know that this is a time yeah. to act that we need to act and that stage for change has been a way for us to act um, okay. it's, yeah. it's almost I mean in some ways it's reactionary but we're being very proactive in the decisions and the types of programs that we were creating um, and so um, so yeah, I don't know, I guess taking a lesson from a, like a personal standpoint is that if you feel something and you feel it so strongly and you can't think about the next day without it, like that's a sign, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that definitely um, you just said about pursuing like your gut reaction is important. You know, I, I think that we all go through like a roller coaster of like, oh, like, is this good for me? No, like, I'm not never going to be paid doing this. Um, as a young person with 
you know, a non-industry passion, just like most passions, like it's really hard to think about a future with that. And there's like many compromises that we need to make um, in our personal lives. And I think that the way that we made it work was to really think hard about why we're doing this mm -hmm. and like constantly asking ourselves like why am i doing this on top of you know for Didi, it was a full-time job she was doing this for me it was full-time graduate school and a job mm -hmm. um, that i was doing stage for change um and and to even like think a little bit outside of the content of what we do um it was really important for me as a young person to create new initiatives where I could really um, put something out into the world because so many of the jobs that I had been at or I had worked for or was applying to had nothing to do with making the world a better place mm -hmm. in, in the standard that I had. And so yeah. when I was very unhappy with that, like the only way was to act yeah i think i think being on the ground again so working with the students and and just talking to like whether it's talking to a friend about stage for change or talking yeah. to someone who has no idea about stage for change or mm -hmm. anything i'm just like constantly taken aback by people's reaction and what do you mean? how I, even within our mission of being inclusive that it it's inviting that it invites people to that conversation even if i'm like even myself i'm like worried to have a conversation because i'm not entirely sure where they lie on the spectrum of like inclusionary <laughs> or not nervous laughter um but but i do think that with a vision like what we have um you can start so many conversations with people and, and invite them in to the work that we're doing. And I think that has so much power. And I think yeah. that also has helped, helped us, helped us to think about the different spaces and communities that we can begin to work with. Um, because, you know, there's so much potential with this because there's so much work that needs to be done, honestly. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it also kind of gives us this this way of what could five years be like, what could ten years be like, you know, what else could we be doing? We have this one pro, what's one stage for change program, but it allows us to also think about other programs and workshops and, yeah. and offerings that we can do once we get more experience. But um, what so, else we can be doing with using storytelling at the center to to move step by step closer to invite more people into the stories of others to empathize with others so that we can finally at least get to some piece of that that vision that hope that we want to get to so um yeah so i understand like so far um as far as like future so like right now um as far as like stage for change evolving mm -hmm. um you guys are talking, you guys are doing a program at USB. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, we're recording this like near the end of the year, mm -hmm. 2016. And I'm just wondering, uh, the coming year, 
um, mm-hmm. stage for change so far has been something you guys have focused on for a while and you have you guys based on our conversation have made really good strides and I'm just curious for the year that is to come what is going to be the the few things that you're going to be looking to accomplish or what is what is exactly going to be looking at yeah <laughs> wow yeah we've got we've got a lot planned for for the next year um, and so as we're doing IUSB we're still going out and we um, so we have we work on the academic calendar and so our hope is to do five workshops with other universities um, in the mm-hmm. next spring semester and those yeah. workshops are these one-time efforts in which um, we kind of bring stories in the community and engage immediately in dialogue on privilege, um, intersectionality, as we have defined, um, mm-hmm. and and like di- and identity and difference. And like I think the way that we're very unique in the way we approach these is not is that we're not a top down sort mm-hmm. of lecturing kind Mm-mm. because that mm-hmm. never works i mean i can't remember a time when somebody gave me don't do this don't do this that <laughs> i walked around i walked away mm-hmm. knowing exactly what how, to do right right <laughs> and so yeah. um we we approach um our work with like looking at the bias within the stories, because all the stories are imperfect and we all have our own blind areas. And like that yeah. really helps to engage, um, especially neutral audiences and students who mm. may not co- feel comfortable talking about these issues and these big words. But when, when they see the humanity in that story, they can they can be encouraged to engage in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so alongside with the workshops, we also have um, talks and um, have been, have done workshops at the Holy Cross College twice um, and are looking to saturate the, the Michiana and Chicago yeah. area. Mm-hmm. So, so next semester, we're mostly focused on um, schools within north northern indiana mm-hmm. um so we're in conversations trying to first we'll work work with some um go back and provide workshops to notre dame um some organizations within notre dame and then hoping to once you know another thing about working in higher education is that it's it's tough <laughs> it's, slow. it's a slow process um lots of red tape yeah mm-hmm. so but honestly um but the the numbers goal is five workshops next semester, and we're going to be piloting new ones. Um, okay. And and what's happening is that the goal for um, fall of next year is that we'll be doing two stage for change programs. So it'll be happening on IOSB again, um, and we'll be entering two new campuses for a full year program. Um, IOSB will have their spring performance in March of of next year. Um, and our big um, new client hopefully will be a high school in South Bend um, because, you know, honestly, we can't just have these conversations in college. <laughs> they should be yeah. had earlier. Identity and yeah. multiculturalism yeah, should mm-hmm. be had from a very early age. And we really want to focus on our work 
as a state, as an organization that's starting in South Bend, how are we engaging with the South? Like, how are we engaging with the youth in our community? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. who we've met along with our work at IUSB, which immediately kind of got into that conversation of how are we going to get into high schools? And we've gotten so many love calls from industries that we didn't even think about. Just different workplaces alongside with K through 12, um, even younger than high school. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so I mean, I, I will say. So we're like, trying to to really like, yeah. No, I'll say that the the topic and the approach that you guys take is I personally like it. Maybe I'm probably biased <laughs> because I've been through it, uh, but I think that is it's a very it's much more practical to come at these uh, very, very um, divisive topic mm-hmm. from a common point of humanity. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can say like, I have humanity, you have humanity, um, which I think is like exemplified in a philosophy called Ubuntu in South Africa that say, I am a person because you are a person. Yeah. And that kind of allows a more common grounded approach that I personally think yields better results in the end mm-hmm. than going from a point of authority of sorts. Absolutely. And I think also what we've done is to start, even with these workshops that kind of just bring stories from different experiences to new students who have never heard these Mm -hmm. stories, these personal narratives before, we always will have, we recognize that we have to start with every story matters. This is someone's experience. Let's be open. Let's listen. And then let's enter into it because we recognize that it's very difficult to hear a story that potentially comes in conflict with the way you see yourself, um, especially if your own identity is being, you know, talked about or in conflict with the story and experience of someone else's. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do these two realities exist (laughs) in one space? and so we kind of have to to just, you know, allow others, and we kind of started to create that space in every workshop we do, and, and even with our students, uh, let's just take a step back and, and open ourselves to one another and the potential places that we might go once we, once we hear each other's stories. Because the work is always bringing down the barriers and the walls that people have built up around them first. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the diversity education and the flaws in that that we see is that there is very little work um, preparing for new information to be handled and dealt mm-hmm. with and engaged. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you guys not only have like a tough year ahead, but is that the, the problem itself that you're dealing with is in, its, in itself complex. And unfortunately, we're coming right around the one hour mark and whatnot. I, I would, I, you know me, I would love to have this conversation for like the next probably two to three hours. I could, yeah. Like we could spend a whole night um, talking about this. Um, but let's, so right, and right now I understand uh, you guys are currently trying to raise some funds uh, for, the, for the coming year. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, 
So in order to kind of achieve everything, to get to those five new schools, to enter into the high school, um, to develop these programs, um, we are a startup organization <laughs> um, and mostly made up of volunteers right now. And we're really trying to dedicate ourselves to this, um, but also to increase our impact in the area. Um, so we're doing a generosity campaign um, for $15,000 um, that's going to help us to impact more students, have more conversations on campuses, um, collect more stories that are going to um, be able to start conversation, but also potentially create um, social change within their own campus. Um, so, uh, so we're having a campaign to raise $15,000 and um, if you're so moved, um, you can go to our generosity page, um, if you can like include that, yeah, um, and but you can anyone... see the impact and the, the number of students that we will um, be reaching mm -hmm. within the next year. Um, and, and we're just incredibly, incredibly happy and thankful for the response that we've had um, so far. Um, it's been only two weeks in the campaign and we've already raised over $9,000. Yeah, $9,000. Awesome. Um, we yeah. only have $20 left to our match <laughs> and we'll be about 90% to our goal. Um, so, um, if I mean, there are many ways that, that you can support us or, or keep in tune. We have a newsletter, you can follow us on Facebook, we're, at, we're on Twitter, we're getting an Instagram. Um, nice. And since What's the Twitter handle? Twitter handle is at stage for change. Perfect. With a number four, right? Um, um, yes. No, I don't know. On Twitter, it's not a four. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry. So just people keep stealing note. things. <laughs> but we also know that there are very young alums who are listening into your mm -hmm. show, and we're always looking for yeah. new connections, um, people who want to bring us to their alma maters or to their schools that they're at, um, to school corporations. Mm -hmm. And so anyone um, is welcome to get in touch with us, talk with us, and strategize with us. Yeah. So quick note, as for the fundraising, if you're so moved and so inclined, uh, the short link is tiny.cc slash sfc. Um, mm -hmm. That'll bring you straight to the generosity page. And um, let's say people want to go, what's your what's your website handle? If they want to reach out to you and they're so moved, but want to see your website, what's the website handle? Uh, we're www.stageforchange with the number four dot org. So stage, S-T-A-G-E, four, number four, change, C-H-A-N-G-E dot org. And awesome. I mean, I know, like, I, I would like to stay on this conversation <laughs> forever, uh, mainly because I'm, one, learning a lot. And that definition of interse intersectionality <laughs> kind of, like, blew my mind, and I, I really love it. I'm going to steal that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll send you some articles. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fine. And um, really, I think, I, I'm personally, I would be more than inclined to do, like, a part two at some point uh, in the future uh, just to see. Sweet. How things turned out yeah i mean we're open yeah we can tell you <laughs> yeah, about awesome. our program on um study abroad training next time 
Oh, nice. Looking forward to that. I know being, I think all of us are children of immigrants or immigrants ourselves. And oh yeah, it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah. Awesome. Nice. Um, I guess on that note, I, I want to thank Didi and Tain for a very wonderful conversation. And one yeah, is... thanks for uh, coming on the show, y'all. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And one that's very uh, different from what we typically have. So um, it's been another episode of Two Black Nerds. My name is Romeo Kriangana. On Twitter, I'm at Kriromeo. That's K-W-I-R-O-M-E-O. And I'm Ihaya Kachuku. You can find me on Twitter at Kuchu. And if you want to reach us, you can follow us on Twitter at twoblacknerds.com or email us at hello at twoblacknerds.com. This has been another episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you all enjoyed it. Peace. Yeah,